Megalithics and Gobekli Tepe uh, and space aliens doing LSD uh, with Paz. Um, but that oh, we, can still cut, uh, we can still touch up on that, but I really like to have Paz here for that as well. So Yeah, yeah we're going to get into that with Paz as well. We're just going to have to schedule that for uh, another moment. Um, so that will come out somewhere soon. Um, let's see. Uh, instead... Uh, we are going to talk about some uh, European politics. Um, in particular, uh, Bulgarian politics. Because some shit is going on in Bulgaria uh, and basically nobody knows about it. So, uh, I mean, I hardly remember what's going on. So, how about you introduce us into the topic uh, of, well, what is the situation there at the moment? Sure. And, and what's going on and why. So before I start, can I ask you a bit about uh, your audience? Is it more European or more American? Uh, vastly more American. Okay. So in that case, the first thing I need to say is Bulgaria is a very different country from Belarus. <laughs> okay, They're both. Yes. yes, we have to clear that one up. Belarus is in the north of Europe. Bulgaria is in the far south. We're very far away. Um, yes. So just to clear that up in case anybody gets confused. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to sound condescending towards Americans, but I kind of have to when it well, comes to Eastern European geography. I will geography. consent for you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because I kind of like Americans. So, yeah. Uh, I like them, but they're stupid when it comes to, um, to geography. Yeah. I mean, I only know half of the US states uh, on a map without labels. So I'm not very good either, but... I mean, they're all fucking square, and basically, on the right you have New York, on the left you have California, and the rest is just incest. That's not exactly fair, but yeah, mostly. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have a lot of really good food in the middle, so there's that at least. But to, to yes. get back on the topic, so Bulgaria and Belarus have something in common, which is uh, both of them are former, actually. Only Bulgaria is a former communist country because Belarus still is. Uh, but what happened in Bulgaria in the last 30 years is that the secret services of the communist party basically mm -hmm. first they staged a coup and got rid of the dictator because they were thinking, okay, we can continue to be a communist country without him. If we get rid of him, we, we won't get shot by our own people or something like that, maybe. And then they saw that that's not going to happen. We're going to have to have elections. So they went to plan B, which was to create a the Bulgarian mafia, basically. And ex basically privatized the, the security services. From a state security service, it became a big network of giant criminal and commercial organizations. 
And oh, that sounds uh, like a good time. Yes. It, the, the same thing happened in Russia. It, mm-hmm. uh, the same thing happened in a lot of countries. Um, yeah. Yes. So, and the same thing is going to happen to America, by the way. So keep an eye on that huh. in the next 10 to 15 years. I'm warning you guys from now. Just learn, learn some other people's history and you're going to know where you're going. Um, oh, yeah. So something else that happened this week was uh, General Lubengotsev, who was the architect of this transition. He was mm-hmm. a foreign minister in the early 90s and he was, uh, he was a spook before that. Died this week at the age of 90. And he is basically the architect of the Bulgarian Mafia. And I've been celebrating his death for the last couple of days as well. Ah, uh, cheers, cheers, by the way. His name is mentioned in a lot of, uh, in several books written by uh, Georgi Stoyev, who was a former mafioso who uh, started writing about everything he knows. And of course, he got shot in 2008. Of course. Uh, of course, right. Um, I mean, he basically names the guy as the the mastermind of the whole operation. Right. How basically in 1989, all of these agents started. He started handing out briefcases of money from the state. He started recruiting uh, wrestlers and boxers to be street enforcers. All of those wrestlers and boxers started shooting at each other later, um, and most of them are dead now. Some of them oh, are still alive yeah. and running really big businesses. Some of them are billionaires now, but. Basically, that's the the background, historical background. So then we come to the middle section, right? So at some point, one of uh, a young man named uh, Derampevsky comes into mm-hmm. politics, basically with the support of this underground network. He acquires a lot of media companies, a lot of other companies, gets into parliament and runs basically runs the government from behind the scenes. He's not in the cabinet. He's not even in the in a party that's in power. He's in an opposition party, but he has so much influence and so much connection. And he has the weight of this entire network behind him that he has a lot of influence. So in 2013, uh, we had a lot of uh, protests again, for this time for social reasons, uh, high bills, stuff like that. And the, the government of uh, Boyko Borisov resigned. That's the prime minister. Mm-hmm. He's the same one that's right now. So he resigned. We have a new election. Socialists come into power. They uh, make a coalition with the far-right nationalists from Ataka. And they also include Mr. Delampeyevsky's party, which is a, a liberal party, mostly right. an ethnic Turkish minority party. So it's a real mix of shitheads because all of these yeah. three parties are all part of the same criminal network, along with the former prime minister's GERP party, which is a center-right party, member of the European People's Party. Uh-huh. So all of, these, all of these parties I've mentioned right now, they're all part of the same criminal network and they're competing with each other and cooperating with each other. They're the status quo, right? These are, all of them have connections, all of them have, have dirt on each other. Uh, and... That's why there's no left wing and right wing in Bulgaria because it's all former communists. It's uh, the Bulgarian Communist Party 1 and the Bulgarian Communist Party 2, basically, as one commentator called them. They're all the former Communist Party. Some of them are now far right. Some of them are centrists. Some of them are moderate socialists. But they're all the former... It's entirely meaningless. Yes, they're all the former Communist Party. 
The current prime minister, Boyko Borisov, is a former member of the party and uh, he was told in 1989 that he can't be part of the, the interior ministry and remain a member of the party. And he was like, okay, then I'm not going to be part of the part of the structures. He was very proud of it. Uh, he himself is, of course, a, a gangster as well. There's connections with a lot of people in the 90s. He was an enforcer. He was actually the bodyguard of the former dictator after he was deposed. So this guy has all the connections as well. He's a he's a stooge, basically. People tell him what to do. He's he's he does that sort of stuff. He's, uh, um, he's, he's a, a pure puppet. Like he's he has no... not a pure puppet. He's an authoritarian populist, but everybody has so much dirt on him that he kind of like a like a don. Like people come to him and ah, right. demand stuff from him. Right? He's that's his role. He's, he has to, people come to him and ask him for stuff and he gives them stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how they keep the whole structure in order. And so in 2013, when the socialists came into power, uh, they formed a government, barely, with the far right. And that's, that's still funny to me. But <laughs> as I explained, it shouldn't be because they're the same sort of uh, structure uh and they nominate the lampevsky as the head of the national security agency which is basically the bulgarian fbi mm -hmm. and of course everybody knows that this guy is a hundred percent a gangster so immediately new protests show up this time they're not social protests people aren't complaining about high bills this time they're complaining about corruption and the rule of law and they want don't want that guy in that position at all and the protest lasted 405 days i think like a really long time until the government resigned so in 2013 2014 that's exactly when i moved here in, in sofia so and uh, the protests were between me and my job so coming back home after work was kind of a challenge sometimes but I did yeah. march a few times, um, but of course it's 400 days. I can't be there every day. So, no, but, of course. Uh, yeah. I, um, and But a lot of people were. So people took it very seriously. But ultimately it failed because the government resigned when the underground decided that the conditions for a new election were favorable. So the right. government resigned, new elections happened. The old party that resigned previously came back to power, GERP with Mr. Borisov. And he's been in power ever since. In uh, 2016, he resigned again because there was a presidential election and his party's candidate didn't uh, didn't win. Uh, the socialist candidate, Truman Radev, who is also a fighter pilot and a former general. Also, Borisov is also a former general, but a police general. Uh, so our country is run by generals. That's That's always a good sign. Yeah, that's uh, that's always very <laughs> positive and a positive yes. sign that great sign that your country yeah. is very functional and not at all yes communist dictatorship if it's run by generals. Yes, uh, so he resigned again. So second term doesn't come yeah. to to end, but it's always close to the end of his term, right? He almost makes four years, but then resigns and then wins the next election because he knows. Okay, if I 
resign before a scandal and I start uh, the election a bit early, I'm going to be in a better position. Yeah. And he always wins. And this time, uh, he did win again. In, he's in his third term now. So he's been in power since 2009 with these 400 days that he wasn't prime minister in 2013 and 2014. Except then he's been prime minister since 2009. Before that, he was mayor of, so- mayor of Sofia, the capital. Uh, before that, he was secretary of uh, the interior. So the second guy in the interior ministry, basically the top cop in the country. Mm-hmm. And like I said before that, he was a mafioso and a bodyguard. And before that, he was a firefighter in the communist, uh, in another communist regime. So he's a firefighter too. And a karate uh, athlete. So kind of a big biography and a, and a general. So he he's a larger than life person in the mid 2000s his image was portrayed that way uh this hard on crime dude big strong man and every day just like we saw with trump when he ran for office every day the media was just on him all the time like flies non-stop every day every time some explosion happened or somebody got shot on the street he was on there on the scene immediately with media following him like chickens in fact he started calling uh journalists uh uh, he started calling them turkeys because they swarm around him like turkeys feeding like all oh, these serve out journalists uh, from pro-government media and so that's how he got really popular and got into power and he was basically installed there uh, we have reports from leaked leaky leaks files oh sorry about that uh, from WikiLeaks files that the State Department and the CIA have known that this guy is a gangster, but they still worked with him, of course. Uh, that's not a secret. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, so, when his party was founded, it was founded with the support of uh, the Christian Democrats in Western Europe. Because that's basically the platform of the party. It's a center-right Christian Democratic Party. And they got a lot of money from them. They got a lot of support. And uh, when Bulgaria joined in 2007, the EU, of course, he came to power after after that, uh, they joined the European People's Party, right. uh, which is the most dominant party in Europe. I think uh, they're also the most dominant uh, in Germany. Uh, von der Wein is from them uh, so very influential people and of course they it's impossible that they don't know that this guy's a scumbag of course Completely impossible yeah. yes so what happened this year though so I have to talk a bit about legal structure of the Bulgarian state a little bit so in the the way the Bulgarian justice system works is we have the figure of the chief prosecutor, the prosecutor general, mm-hmm. which is based on basically what happened in 1990 when we got the new democratic constitution. The old communists, which won the election for the constitutional assembly, inserted a bunch of stuff that they wanted to insert in the 80s about the figure of the chief prosecutor. So they made him ultra-powerful and unaccountable to anyone, basically. He's elected by the Supreme Judicial Council, which is like, I think, 12 members or something. It has a few judges on it, it has a few prosecutors, and it has a few political appointees. 
and they elect him for a term of seven years and only they can remove him basically and since that council is politically controlled you can't remove that guy that he's yes. he, he's not accountable to the uh, to the legislative branch he's not accountable to the executive branch uh, he's not even accountable to the judicial branch because the judicial council has political appointees in it of rather course. than people who were elected by the judicial and the prosecutorial colleges which are professional organizations so he's unaccountable to anyone and he has more authority than any other similar role in Europe like a lot of a bunch of countries also have a chief prosecutor yes uh, but they have a lot of controls on on their duties so this guy can fire any prosecutor take any prosecutor's uh, cases and reassign them to someone else or order them to stop investigating someone and since the beginning of our democratic transition the that political position has been used as a club and as a as an umbrella and right, right so last year in 2019 the end the seven-year term for the last prosecutor general uh, ended and they were going to have a new one. So they only had one candidate, of course. So that's another good sign when you have a, a competition for a post that has only one candidate. Yes. Um, yes. So, and the huh. person they they installed is named Ivan Geshev. So the way I can describe him, he looks like a a village bully with the same amount of intellect and the same amount of legal knowledge. Uh, he wears uh, one of those uh, newspaper boy hats. What do you call them in English? I don't know. Yeah. In Bulgarian, it's casket. Um... Yeah. We use casket in Bulgarian. So, yeah, he looks like a communist cop, basically. And he What's acts like again? one. Ivan Geshev. So, How do I read Geshev? G-E-S-H-E-V. Oh, well, that's easier than I expected. Yes. You, you're going to find pictures of him. He. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> he looks exactly like a communist cop and acts like one. And in fact, people say uh, he shouldn't have become a, a warrior. He should have become a cop instead, which I think he was for a time. He was an inspector or something like that. But anyway, they installed him and people were protesting them. But of course, it's a very small protest. It's only a few NGOs that actually care about judicial reform and nobody yeah. pays attention to, to them because all the media in Bulgaria, almost all of it is owned by Pevsky, which I already mentioned. Yes. The guy, the previous protests were against, like he owns a lot of the media or people connect to him. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, we're on the 111th place in terms of freedom of the media in the world. If that gives you any idea about what's going on, right? There's like one national TV that's still independent. There's a few websites that are mostly independent and there's Radio Free Europe. And that's basically it in terms of sources I kind of trust. And even then I'm kind of careful with them. So everything else is very suspect. The national TV is very suspect. The other uh, national TV, it's... The state TV, I mean, right? The, a national TV is one that has coverage over the whole country it broadcast. So we have three of those. And uh, one of them is owned by the state. The other one is owned by a person close to Pevsky. And the third one uh, is now about to be acquired by a Czech billionaire. I forget his name. 
So oh. we're going to see if it remains uh, it remains independent. That's still un unclear. But the media climate here is terrible. So so that happened. Keshev got elected, uh, appointed. I mean, it it was an election in uh, only the strictest, narrowest uh, sense of the word. It wasn't yeah. an election. <laughs> yes, uh, and people complained, of course, and there was a lot of scandals because this guy is really dumb. First of all, he's he's legitimately stupid. I so, think I found a picture of him. He looks incredibly retarded. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, and very bullish and very rough cut. So not yeah, exactly he looks not like the other guy, Pevsky. Yes, I mean fat people uh, and Borisov. You can look Boyko Borisov. He all of them are fat guys who look like uh, they're. I mean, they're. If you make a movie about evil, corrupt American cops, you can cast all of them. That's, yes, yes. <laughs> like 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 in the thirties when in the Al Capone days you can make all of them, put them in oh like yeah, absolutely. Old, old time suits and yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're making a movie about uh I don't know, some evil capitalist CEO smoking cigars and Yeah, that's what Pesky is actually. He's a, he's an oligarch. Uh, yeah. he's a billionaire. That's exactly the type of guy that I would cast. Yes. Uh and his his family has connection to the former state security, and so yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's continue the story. So people complain, blah blah blah, but nothing happens, of course. Then in uh, then of course the president, who is the, also a general from the air force, former commander of the air force, and supported by the socialists, uh, started criticizing this. He wanted he wanted to stop the appointment because the president has to sign it. Right, he yeah. has to sign it, even though he can't refuse to sign it. Right, it's he's a rubber stamp, but he has the right to refuse to sign it once and bring it back to the council. And he did that, and they voted again and told the president to just sign this thing. And of course, he did because that's the law. He's just rubber stamping it. He's a stopgap, but he was very critical, and. That basically marked him as an enemy of the chief prosecutor. So he spent the next few months trying everything in his power to dig up dirt on this guy. Uh, and they found that he apparently appointed his girlfriend to be the PR of the Air Force, which is Fuck on shit. the scale. Yeah, on the scale of corrupt stuff that's happening in Bulgaria, that's literally nothing. Like, that's the worst they could find, really? Yeah, yeah I mean, don't get me wrong. Fuck the president. And... Uh, his girlfriend is his wife now, so uh, he shouldn't have done that. But in terms of corruption, that's literally nothing. Yeah. Com yeah. So, uh, so the president he, he kept he kept trying to find dirt on him. He eventually, in the summer, two things happened almost simultaneously. Uh, one of them was that Mr. Pesky is from the DPC, the Liberal Party. That party was founded by a man named Ahmed Dugan, who is also a former member of the communist secret police. He's a uh, he's a Bulgarian Turk, and the party is mostly supported by Bulgarian Turks, most of them living in rural areas where if you're not a member of the party, your job opportunities and career opportunities are very 
limited and I can attest to that from personal experience because I I was born nearby one of those regions so these people were kept uh, in feudal possession by these oligarchs especially the ones that uh, grow tobacco they're they're basically nothing has changed for them politically since the 70s basically you know, you know they're it's one party and if you're not with them you're in trouble in in these poor rural areas with uh, minority populations. So this this man, Dogan, has a villa on the Black Sea. And he basically made it so the road to the beach is inaccessible. Now, by constitution, all beaches in Bulgaria are state-owned. They're public property. And every citizen has a, has a right to walk on them. But you can't get to it. Uh, because the road is blocked by this guy's uh, fence, you know his big giant mansion, mm-hmm. uh, right? In, and one politician, Christo Ivanov, who is uh, from center right uh, Democratic Bulgaria coalition, they're not in the parliament. They have one uh, member of the European Parliament, though, so they're not completely out of power, but they basically have one guy in in Europe. That's of the elected officials they have. They represent the so-called urban right. So these are liberal, centrists, right-wing people who live in urban areas. And they're educated and so forth. So it's a small percentage of the total vote. I think it's something like 15% of the vote is falls in that demographic. So he decides, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to go on that beach with a boat. It's public property. I should be able to. So what happens when he lands on the beach? A bunch of national uh, uh, security service guys stop him and push him back into the sea. So these are the people who are assigned to guard the president, the prime minister, and other key politicians. Uh, Mr. Dugan has been in retirement for many years. He's not an elected official. There is absolutely no legal reason why these people should be guarding him. And people are very scandalized by this because the state is guarding some random private person for some reason, right? Uh, yeah. Of course, of course, him and Payevsky are basically the masterminds controlling the whole distribution of, uh, of wealth in the country. That's what's going on, right? Uh, every year we get billions of euro from the euro funds and that mm-hmm. money gets redistributed in that house on the beach, basically. That's what happens. Uh, they decide which companies get it, they decide which borders get approved uh, and so forth. Uh, that's what happened uh, on the beach. A few days later, Ivan Geshev finally gets to have his revenge on the president and bursts in with his own private Praetorian Guard because the prosecution office has its own sort of police force. It's, uh, it's the National Service for uh, Witness Protection. Right. Their, their job is to protect witnesses, but what they actually are now is basically stormtroopers. So they walk in with stormtroopers in the president's office, right? This is the head of state, the commander-in-chief of the armed forces, and the person who's supposed to be apolitically representing the entire nation. And they just burst into his office. Jesus People Christ. fucking lost their shit immediately. Yes. The, yes. Uh, and they, yes, they, they walk into the office and arrest few, two of his aides on allegations of corruption, which, like I said, uh, this guy, I don't like him, his policies suck he's pro-russia he's a general 
I don't like the president, but he seems to be mostly clean for some okay. strange reason. Like maybe there's something we don't know, but the stuff we've seen so far doesn't come close to what's on the other side of the conflict. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if they had dirt, they were going to come out with it. Like most of the media is pro-government, so we, we were going to know. Uh, they were going to make sure to take that out. So that's how I'm thinking about it. So people come out and start protesting in June. It's 90, 90 few days now. Uh, it's going to be 100 days next Friday, I think. So every day in Sofia, there have been protests. Every day there have been... Uh, uh, in not just Sofia, there have been protests in a bunch of other... Let me check, Wikipedia has a number of uh, European cities. So Bulgaria has about 2 million Bulgarians living in North America and Western Europe. Mm -hmm. spread all over the place so we had protests in london in oxford in manchester and berlin cologne nuremberg in the hague in amsterdam in brussels we had them in chicago in new york in boston in montreal and a bunch of other cities like 40 cities all over the world bulgarians came out and protested against the government right yeah so and this time is different because we have live streaming on facebook so I've been following events, even though I can't go out, you know, I have uh, se severe anxiety and I don't like crowds generally, so I can't be out on the streets. I came out a few times, but mostly I stay at home and just keep track of the news and, uh, you know, give my moral support when I can. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, the protests are... There's left-wing people, there's right-wing people, there's apolitical people, there's far-right people, there's centrists, there's uh, religious people, there's atheists, everybody, right? People of, uh, you know, there's young, there's old people. It's not a left-wing uh, conspiracy to bring down the government like the government keeps saying. So, yeah. yeah. Even though they have some, I mean, the, the opposition is kind of giving them because giving them some bullets because there are left-wing people there but that's not the core of the protest the core of the protest is uh, very broad there's a very broad support for it the last right. poll i saw was over 60 percent support for the protests so all right that's pretty good yeah so but it it happened at a bad moment because the elections are in march so people want new elections and the government can just say, just wait until March. And of course, people are like, uh, no, because that gives you time to steal the elections, which is, of course, what they did because they changed the election war like last week or two. They rewrote the yep. war again. So they're going to steal the next election too. And everything, everything all right on your end? Yes, yes. Because I'm hearing some, some noise. Hmm. No, yeah okay it's, it's fine now yeah so the elections are in march and they changed the law and they're refusing to move they even came out with a stupid uh constitutional amendment proposal because they hear people want uh changes to the constitution like some of the organizations want to limit the prosecutor general's power in the constitution and the government was like fine we'll give you a new constitution and they because the procedure for passing a new constitution, constitutional amendment is to have an election for a grand assembly 
mm-hmm. which has twice the delegates. And it takes two months for the parliament to organize the project, hand it off to have a new election, hand it off, and then have that uh, Grand Assembly vote on it, which it can take however long it wants. And then it can uh, set the new constitution and then you have a new election for a regular government. And the current government can stay in power during that whole time if if it passes, which it won't. But uh, not to get into too much detail about the, the specific procedures of the parliament, but basically they did all that not because they thought it's going to work, but because they, they were going to win two extra months in the, in the without having to resign. Basically. Right. Yeah. So that's the goal. So why are they doing that? We saw that twice before in the end of the, the term, at the end of the, close to the end of the, the their term, there was always some big scandal and people want them to resign and they do. And we have, uh, you know, elections before, uh, emergency elections before the the usual time. Yeah, before the, they uh... did that. Yeah, they did that twice. Now the third time, why aren't they doing it? Why are they doing everything in their power to buy more time and to stay in power? And the reason is very simple. Uh, perhaps you've heard of South Stream, which was a Russian gas pipe that was supposed to go through Bulgaria a few years ago. Now it failed yeah. because because the European Union looked at the project and decided. This is both uh, economic, political, and ecological disaster. Please don't do this. Oh, Christ. So, yeah, so it, it got stopped. But uh, Mr. Dilampeski took a bunch of money from the Russians. In fact, something like 700 million euro for, for the project before it got cancelled. So somebody needs to pay Putin back his millions. And right now they're building a new, a new pipe called Balkan Stream or Turkish Stream which everybody assures us has nothing to do with the Russians. But of course, it's uh, it's run by a Saudi company, which we learned today that it's under the control of the Russians. That Saudi company has contracted a Russian company, which has contracted a Belarusian state company. So the Belarusian government is also in on this. And they're constructing the pipe basically as fast as possible. They have to do it by the end of the year. Or Putin gets angry. That's, Jesus. Uh, yeah, they they owe him a lot of money. Yeah. Actually, this one guy owes him a lot of money, but he's basically making the government pay because he's not giving yes. back the money. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And of course, you don't want to owe Putin money. So, and we saw today there was a protest at the pipe construction site. All the workers are Belarusian, by the way. So... Uh, all the stuff the government told us. Russia has nothing to do with it. This is going to create thousands of jobs. Yeah, thousands of jobs for Belarusian state employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to... We have ecological measures taken. They're not taking any. They're digging a hole, putting the pipe in, and burying it. Right? There's no drainage system. If water gathers, it's it's a disaster. They're cutting down forests. They're just trying to build it as quickly as possible so Putin is happy. Yeah, because, that sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, because right America America has threatened to sanction the project. So they're trying to get him ahead of ahead of the State Department, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the that's that's the international sort of geopolitics situation. Now what's going on in, in Europe though? 
I mentioned that these people have the support of the European People's Party. Yes. Uh, yes. The Angela Merkel really likes him, apparently. <laughs> He's always very friendly with her. Uh, there's a lot of pictures of them being friendly. Uh, Donald Tusk likes him. Uh, Manfred Weber likes him. If you know those of your listeners who know who those people are for the Americans. Uh, Manfred Weber is the leader of the Europe- European People's Party in the European Parliament. And the head of the party is Donald Tusk. They're German and Polish, I think. Uh, and they've been very supportive. They've been uh, saying all the Bulgarian government talking points have, have come out of party members. They're being they're trying to enforce party discipline, supporting him. And meanwhile, Bulgarians who know very well that this guy is uh, his life. His lifeblood is coming from Western Europe support. Like mm-hmm. he, uh, he used to have the support of the State Department of the United States. Uh, he supposedly was in good. Uh, he always likes to present himself as being very pro EU, very pro America, very pro Western. His party is GERP, is uh, Citizens for the European Development of Bulgaria. So that's right. that's the image he's presenting, even though he's in bed with Putin and Erdogan. Uh, so, but he always likes to charm those his Western allies and give them what they want. If they want him to vote certain way in the European Parliament, his his appointees, his uh, delegates do. Uh, so, which there are seven of them, by the way. Just that's gonna be important later. So. People have been writing to those Western politicians, telling them, "Hey, you guys are supporting a mafioso, and he's a he's an authoritarian autocrat. Basically, there's almost no checks on the power of the state. People's businesses have been assaulted. Uh, yeah. People's businesses have been stolen. People have been extorted. Uh, there was a big investigation this summer where something interesting happened. Mr. Pevsky apparently wanted to take." There's going to be a big project to fix all the elevators in the country, financed with billions of European money. Mr. Pevsky wants that money, but he can't because he doesn't own an elevator factory. So he decides to steal one by pressuring the owner. And that became a big scandal. An investigative reporter started, that revealed all that, started getting death threats. Uh, A bunch of it's a it's a crazy story for it we can have another podcast for that too uh, huh. yeah it's it's just insane like it's it's literally the the elevator factory owner is taken he has a big conflict with his son about his business and he's taken to a fixer in a in a in the back room of a restaurant with uh, cigars and open uh whiskey bottles uh, expensive whiskey bottles it's literally a smoky dark room with a former uh prosecutor who has connections in the government and he can help him. And of course he does help him, but by helping him, he basically starts pressuring him. And instead of giving him only 50%, tells him you should, you should be happy. You're alive. We're taking everything. Like it's not even, these people aren't even mafiosos, right? When you make a deal with the mafia, you give them a percentage. These guys don't want a percentage. They want everything. They're they're hundred percent hardcore thieves. 
they're not even mafiosos. They, there's no sense of honor. There's no no rules. Uh, yeah, they're they're total criminals. And so that's another scandal. And people have been writing European politicians. Hey, there's this very long list of scandals. I can name a few more. There's uh, the prime minister maybe has an illegitimate kid in Spain with a model and a big house that he paid for with stolen money. And he's under investigation by the Spanish authorities for money laundering. The the state bank, which was supposed to invest in uh, new businesses, uh, apparently only invested in Mr. Pevsky's businesses and was now this week revealed to be a part of the this big money laundering scandal that's global now that came out a few days ago. I, I don't know if you've heard of that one. No, no, I yeah, barely there's a, new yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a new big scandal that all of these banks all over the world have been laundering trillions of money, trillions of dollars of money. And yes, Bulgaria is on the list and it's a state bank owned by the government laundering well, money. So why am I not surprised? Yes, but here's the surprising part. The European People's Party is hardcore being like, there's nothing to see here, nothing to see here. The biggest party in the European Union. Of course. Yes, of course. And what happened was that, unfortunately for them, the European Parliament has annoying socialists and annoying greens who may be stupid, maybe have wrong ideas about policy, but when they see something that kind of looks like injustice, they kind of can't shut up about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of thanks to the European Socialists and the European Greens. We disagree on almost everything, but thank you for being vocal about it. They made a big stink about it. And uh, like I said, the the opposition party that's not in parliament, they have one member of the European parliament, uh, Radan Kanev, who is also a member of the People Party because they're a center-right party, but they're an actual center-right party. So they have one guy in the in the party who is against the other seven guys in the party from Bulgaria. And he's like, hey, by the way, our partners here are super corrupt. How about we take our values seriously and do something about it? Uh, redo our support. Uh, we're going to lose the support of the center right in Bulgaria. If we don't do something, people won't trust us at all. And... Uh, of course he got ignored he uh he got uh he wasn't there was a big debate the other day in the european parliament i think on monday because the one of the commissions made a big report that was uh in a, a resolution draft resolution about corruption in bulgaria it was a big deal because it listed all of the things i told you now and many many more many many problems with the uh, rule of law with the problem with the prosecution with the problem with corruption, with the problem with the media, and a few other things that, of course, the the left put in, like uh, problems with minorities and uh, stuff like that, that nobody really cares about, but they put it in anyway, because sure, why not? We're piling in all, all of our complaints. So everything that's wrong with my country got put in this big document, and they were going to vote on it, and they're going to have a debate on it. And now the real circus begins, because the European People Party put in like 50 amendments or something like that uh, in order to try to make the report less damaging to Bulgaria. Like they did everything possible, including spreading fake news, by the way. Oh, Christ. Uh, yes, there's one oligarch who's uh, 
part of this big network, but he kind of was the favor of it and got exiled to Dubai. And so he's now opposition, but he's still a super gangster, right? He's yeah the same kind of person, but he got pulled out uh, because they wanted to steal his uh, incredible giant antique collection. Like he has a billion dollar worth collection of antiques and they wanted to steal it from him. So they did and he ran away to Dubai. But they, the government has been saying that that guy has been financing the protests, which is a complete lie because uh, it's, he's not financing 100,000 people like for three months. That's stupid. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's uh, uh, unlikely. Yeah. But one uh, member of parliament from Malta, from the European People's Party, uh, put that in an amendment that they wanted to mention it. That there's allegations that uh, a gambling boss was financing the protests, which is complete fake news. Yeah, uh, they wanted to include that corruption scandal with the president in the in the list, just to make sure that somebody in the opposition gets mentioned, uh, and a bunch of other amendments to try to make the whole thing less horrible sounding, which all of them got rejected. I think most of them, a few of them passed, uh, but. In general, the, the resolution that got passed in the European Parliament uh, was very damning and mostly true and highlights the problem very well and it's impossible for European institutions to ignore it because what uh, one of the politicians said at one point a few weeks ago was, you know, Borisov, unlike in Poland and unlike in Hungary, isn't like openly a, a horrible bigot and openly anti-EU. Yeah. So they let him be be an authoritarian because he says the right things, even though he's not very different from Orban or whatever the guy the guy in Poland's name was. I forget his name. So just because he's not out there every day, you know, fuck the EU, let's kill the gypsies, whatever, just because he's not that open, although his partners are, his partners are Eurosceptic far-right nationalists, but he, he himself is is not openly that way, so he gets the support. Uh, and there was actually, I think, 30 members that abstained from the European People's Party, which is a big percentage, like almost one third of them were like, yeah, we're not voting for or against this, which is a big dissenting vote. So it's not like the, the entire party is completely without principle and spine. But mostly it is, especially its leadership. So that's why I wanted to say, you know, fuck Mr. Manfred Weber and fuck Mr. Donald Tusk. Uh, I, I, I told you before we started that I was going to shit on some European politicians. Those two guys specifically uh, can go fuck themselves. I so, mean, Donald Tusk is highly suspect anyway. Like this guy. Oh, yeah. Like there's, there's nothing about this guy that checks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so, and here's the thing, right? The European Commission has this uh, report on Bulgaria and Romania that's been in place since forever. Like every year they have a report on Bulgaria's progress in judicial reform. And every year it's kind of like, yes, there's a lot of problems, but some progress was made. It's very diplomatic, very mild. And the former commissioner, Mr. Juncker, uh, basically promised the government of Bulgaria that he was going to get rid of that mechanism. That, of course, didn't happen. 
but there was the commission was also very supportive because of course he's a pro EU Eastern European leader. Yeah. And those are in short supply. Doesn't matter how corrupt he is. <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. So Mr. Juncker, of course, who's also not exactly the cleanest person I can think of, huh. was very friendly with him. Of course, we're yet to see Miss uh, von der Leyen, uh, how she's gonna be on this so far. She's been very silent and the commission itself released its report this year. And again, it was it was still this very diplomatic, very, there's a lot of progress, but we still need, it still needs work, basically. You know, yeah. you're doing great, just keep going. Just, yeah. uh, it's very, it's completely useless criticism. The government came out and said, yes, the, the report said everything is fine. No problems. Uh, the opposition said the report says that everything is horrible. Uh, the, the resolution the parliament passed basically solved that problem. It's impossible to read that as a win for the government, unlike the commission's report. So the European Parliament and did its job. And surprisingly for me, because I've seen the European Parliament fail multiple times on many different topics that I care about. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, it's, it doesn't happen every day, but sometimes the system works. As much as I hate it as an anarchist, sometimes the the statists get something that kind of works as advertised. It's not always, but it sometimes it happens. Uh, of course, the resolution doesn't have any legal effect. It's just basically a statement of, hey, you guys have a big problem. But it doesn't force the government to do anything. Yeah. But the next day, the government completely flipped its shit. It was so hilarious. In the Bulgarian parliament, a bunch of uh, members of parliament stood up and started spouting every conceivable form of bigotry you can think of against everyone, against okay. trans people, against minorities, against the EU, against I mean, uh, the, the leftoids. <laughs> one of them said, "One of them said, as long as there's liberals and socialists, uh, we'll never be free or whatever." Like they, they went completely apeshit, completely. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, like I think, uh, I mean. There are several legitimate Nazi parties in that parliament, so not surprising. Um, so, yeah, uh, and they started accusing people of basically being traitors. The Bulgarian members of parliament of the European Parliament that voted for this, they're traitors. They, they, they did everything in their power to basically uh, destroy the image of the country, whatever for, for political reasons at home. They want to win the next election. That's why they tarnished our image, stuff like that. Uh, the majority of people seem to be on a different opinion and I, I am as well. I think it, this was very necessary because Europe let Poland and Hungary go and it's letting us go and I don't want to live in Poland or Hungary. And, you know, I, I'm an anarchist. I'm, I don't exactly believe in liberal democracy, but mm -hmm. I'll take it over whatever the fuck they're pushing in, in Hungary any day. Move to Belgium, That's... man. <laughs> uh, I have I have uh, a deadline for the end of 2021. If I don't see any specific real progress done in the areas we talked to about today, I'm moving out. It's definitely... I mean, 2 million people live in Western Europe and North America already. That's yes. not exactly a difficult decision. 
but a lot of them have actually come back for the protests. Uh, you know, thousands of people have probably come back even for only a week or two just to take part in the protests. Like people care; they want to come back. You know, they want they want to start a business here. Some of them have you know saved a little bit of money, maybe. So, I mean, it's my hometown is basically when I left it in 2013, there were no young people there. Right? Uh, I, I I left. I was 24. 23, 24, just finished uh, university there and young people just didn't exist. Like we were all getting the fuck out of there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the, the big apartment building we live in, every winter was super cold because all the apartments around us were empty. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like there's old people and people who still have kids and people yeah. who can't wait to get the fuck out of there. Like yep. it's getting a little, a little bit better now. Okay. Uh, they're building uh, Turkish people have been trying to get their money out of Turkey when the lira failed. So they invested it and oh, built right. a few factories there and uh, people in, from the villages who speak Turkish have moved in the cities. So it's getting a little bit better, but you know, those people in a few years are going to want to leave too. So yeah, but that's not a solution, right? Not you, exactly. No. Yeah. You can't, you can't keep running when you're dealing with, and like I said, these people aren't some super intelligent masterminds. Like maybe they have one of those and he's old now. And the other one that was even older and just died, who was actually intelligent. Like these people are not uh, communist era super spies, like in no, the early 90s. No, clearly not. These people were street thugs who can barely read. Like it's a <laughs> shame if you lose a political battle to them. Like they should be like... I mean, they don't have anything other than naked populism in terms of solutions. Like the prime minister, one good thing this protest did was it drove the prime minister out of the capital. He spent the last two months just touring the entire country away from the capital, just inspecting construction sites and stuff like that, like highways. And, you know, every day he's streaming from the back of his SUV on Facebook showing, oh, look at how many highways I've built for you. Why are you complaining? Uh, he's not fuck? in the capital <laughs> yeah today I'm gonna send you a picture I don't know if you saw it today uh, let me just find it you're gonna you're gonna love this uh, let me just see it okay so the prime minister today had a cabinet meeting with his finance minister on the side of the road what and here's here's the tweet i'm sending it to you on the side of the road sitting on wood stumps reviewing uh, yeah in front of a garbage can in a ditch what because he's too scared fuck? to get back to the capital dude what in the fuck yeah he's reviewing a report by Where? one american company that uh said that Bulgaria's credit rating is getting better and he's reviewing that document right now, that we have a better credit rating now. Yeah, I can, I, I, I can see that. I, clearly, <laughs> yeah, this looks like progress. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Wow. Yeah, he's, he's just been with his Toyota SUV just driving around and every other week he's uh, giving money to people. He's giving money to uh, pensioners. Now they're going to give money to every child in the country. Regardless of income, 
they gave money to whoever. If, if somebody comes up and starts complaining about money, he's instantly giving them the money, right? When people come out and demand we want reforms, he's like, no, we can't have that. But but money, he can he can handle it. Like that's exactly the kind of thinking we're talking about. It's uh, it's this thinking of uh, you know, kissing each other's rings and giving each other you know percentages and stuff like that that's how these people think like people are complaining because i haven't been nice enough to them no people are complaining because uh they want to run a business that doesn't get harassed if somebody wants to steal it from you that's basically it yeah and and the people on the on the left of course have their own very long list of grievances but the people on the right have a lot of grievances too in terms of rule of law and private property and being able to run a business without having the state basically but fuck you every five minutes which uh, on paper we should be a very good business destination especially for tech businesses uh, we have very well uh, income tax uh, we still have at least some competent programmers mm-hmm. uh, things are cheap here labor is cheap housing is fairly cheap Food is great. Weather is mostly good. Uh, we can. This can be a very good business destination, like and, a place um, where to invest from your money. Photos, I see that you also have fantastic offices. Oh like yeah, tree stumps and rusty garbage cans. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sofia has a has a, a lot of good office space. Uh, there's an HP office here, a VMware office here. There's a bunch of Western companies. There's. Uh, the capital has a lot of uh, a lot invested in office office space. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I understand the joke. But uh, this we have good potential here for a nice liberal democracy where the government just steals a little bit and leaves the rest of us the fuck alone. And yeah. That's what basically we want, right? I'm I'm not here saying okay, we want anarchy now, immediately, <laughs> right? Uh, I'm not that kind of anarchist. I just uh, you know I don't. I'm an anarchist in the sense that I don't believe in that really, but I can kind of tolerate it if it doesn't fuck with me too much. Yeah. And that's basically the situation. The, the, we are being slowly and ever faster turned into a hybrid authoritarian regime modeled after Russia. And the EU is extremely complicit because our main guy is not a raging bigot so that's the situation in 58 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's... Um, if you have any questions, I guess. I mean, that's most of what I had to say. Uh, uh, there's, man. We can talk for days. From, yeah, uh, clearly. Holy shit, man. That's a lot of information to take in. Um, we're definitely going to have to run this back uh, another time. Uh, just to get more into this and to get updates on the uh, situation. Yeah. Um, for now, I want to leave it at this. Uh, partly also because I just wasn't prepared. Uh, so, I mean, next time I'll come prepared and I'll have some good questions for you. But for now, uh, I'm like, holy fuck, this is fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> and I, yeah, mean, I mean, I don't keep up with the news that much, but like in the Dutch news, there's nothing about this. Like sure. Nothing at all. And there's some in German and French now, but uh, yeah, maybe not in Dutch. Um. Yeah. 
but I, I only scratched the surface. Like the number of scandals that have come out this year are just enormous. Oh like, yeah. Uh, and we didn't even touch the topic of police brutality. Like that would have been interesting. Because I would assume that police brutality has been uh, absolutely terrible. Actually, it's only been mildly terrible and only on two or three nights. Oh, really? Oh, yes, that's... Bulgarians have an extremely peaceful protest culture. Like, they just get together, they throw eggs, and they don't fight the police. But on two or three occasions, there were several operations where the police used Asian provocateurs to clear the street, and a few people got very seriously hurt, including a few journalists. And... Uh, I think everybody that got arrested so far has been released. All right. Because the the prosecution is super corrupt, but the courts are not. And the okay. prosecution brings in protesters. The courts looks at this and says, um, excuse me, these four people got arrested at different locations, but the person who witnessed them is the same cop. How the fuck <laughs> did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> and the court released them because, of course. Uh, yes. So there was a lot of police violence on the 2nd of September. But most nights are very peaceful and almost nothing gets broken. Uh, maybe a few buildings get covered in eggs. That's basically it in terms of violence. Yeah. Uh, but there's still a lot of unanswered questions about uh, the, the rare instances where it did happen. On the 2nd, in the beginning of the protests, uh, a few young people got dragged and kicked behind uh, one of the buildings. Uh, a woman had her... Uh, uh, you know, a shirt ripped and got photographed by the cops apparently, like just some almost America level shit although Bulgarian yeah. cops are much, much nicer much, yeah. much nicer <laughs> and, Typical awful uh, cop shit but not, not yeah. that much it's there's been maybe 200 arrests for 90 days total so not a lot and maybe and I don't know a few dozen injured so it's it's not Belarus. Belarus has already had fatalities. That's that place is like really fucking terrible. Like we are m much more lucky that the battle is mostly political and not like it's not real yet. Yeah. And and we we didn't get to talk about Russia. Maybe we can talk about Russia another time. That's yeah. Let's do that. Russia and Belarus and uh, generally Russia's proxies and how the entire system works. That's gonna be interesting. So, I think that would be very interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I'm gonna definitely be texting you about getting you on again. Sure. Um, especially with us because I, I'm a, I'm actually more interested in what we have to say about astronomy and uh, how that connects with megaliths. I think that's much yeah. more interesting than this. This is just kind of funny and tragic yeah. and real and in front of me every day and depresses me kind of. But also gives me hope because we've been very successful. The the prime minister is working in the fucking woods. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> we, we fucking win. Uh, so yeah, that's amazing. Now yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but space and megaliths and and DMT and stuff like that. That's aliens. Like that's definitely more interesting to me uh, on most days. Yeah, so, I'm very yeah. excited about that one as well. Yeah, yeah. So your listeners now have something to look forward to. That's exactly. We've, we've released uh, out of the out of the. Uh, we could have kept it as a surprise, but 
I guess now we've picked their interests. They're gonna they're gonna wait for it. Oh yeah, you gotta create some demand uh, for your mm -hmm. product. Yes. Um. So, uh, Pavel, please uh, give me all of your plugs. Um, and nothing at uh, the moment. I'm I'm resting from stuff. You're resting. Yeah, right. I'm. I'm not doing anything really uh, publicly right now. This is the first thing I've done in months. I used yeah. to have a, a blog and I started my own podcast, but I I basically abandoned them because the the year got really rough, and my Twitter is private. That's just for friends. So eventually, I'm gonna start releasing new stuff. Uh, I'm gonna restart my podcast. I'm gonna restart my blog. And another time we talk, I'm gonna plug some other stuff. But right now, it's just. I'm just Pavel and I'm from Bulgaria and I told you something about us. All right, awesome. I look forward to uh, yeah. listening to your podcast and uh, seeing it around um, yeah. with all the other podcasts because we need more Euro podcasts. Uh, eventually I'll get there. Yes, awesome. All right, well, thank you very much for coming on. Thank, thank you very much for... Uh, shining a light on this whole shit show. Yeah. And, um, you know what? Remember, uh, you're not a real idiot.